Hello, welcome to Tales from the Albright, a podcast by the Scranton Public Library. Hello, everyone. We are starting our fun month of spooky-ish podcast episodes for October, and we are here with Anne and Kate, who both work in reference with me, and we will be discussing Interview with the Vampire by Anne Rice. So I have some vague concepts that I'm going to try and turn into questions because I couldn't find a good discussion guide that wasn't about 70 questions long for the book. <laughs> okay. So first off, what were your reactions to the book and your thoughts about it? I can go first. Yes, please. I have never read this book before. I've never interacted with this media before. I haven't seen the movie. The only th- I knew vaguely what this was before I read it because it's so like in pop culture. It's so pervasive. Mm-hmm. You kind of just like get a sense of it. Um, I was not prepared for the writing style to be so. Um, it's I keep describing it as very languid and like it really takes its time. It's gothic. It's moody. Yes, it's like it is. sensual. Um, to the point where there were times where I was skimming a little bit because it was just was going on for a very long time. It yeah. really took its sweet time, but I did like it a lot. I mean, I'm not really a vampire person, but that might change oh. after reading oh. this. Okay. Um, I liked this. It was interesting. If I had to rate it on Goodreads, which I haven't done yet, I would probably give it about three and a half stars, maybe round it up to four because I did like it. Um, and there are a lot of interesting things going on, especially the stuff with Claudia. Yes. With, like, the yes. child vampire yes. concept. That is really interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I did, it was interesting. I did like it, and I would recommend it. Oh, definitely, yeah, yes. If you're going to yeah. start with Anne Rice, this is where you start. Yeah. Definitely start with this. It came out in 1976. The original publication, which I read in 1976 <laughs> at 13 years old. <laughs> I don't think I got a lot of the concepts back then. You know, you know, it was more of just a vampire book. Uh-huh. But it, I, I just love it because I love the setting. The mm-hmm. setting to me is everything. The New Orleans, the Gothic, the, the plantations. Mm-hmm. And then we go to Europe. And then Claudia is just... I wish there was more on Claudia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's I know, so interesting. I know she was yeah. only a child, but I wish there was just more. I would have liked, like, you know that her mother passed. Was it the play? What was, yeah, it was, was the play. Was it the play? Yeah. yeah. But, like, you don't have a lot about her. You just know from when she turns. Mm-hmm. And I know she's only five, but she was just such an interesting character. Yeah, I almost wish, because I know Anne Rice did a whole bunch of, like, spin-off expanding yeah. of the universe. Yes. That... She actually had Louis leave her for a bit and like come back or something, so then she could have a spinoff of like what Claudio got up to. Yes, mm. when left to like her own devices. Right, exactly. Mm. And they do explore that in um, the TV series that was just on this past yeah. year, uh, Interview with the Vampire. Mm-hmm. They do explore that where Claudia does go off on her own mm. for about six years mm. and yeah. then comes back. And Which they make very, her older, too. Yeah, she's a teenager. She's actually a teenager in in that version of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I read it back when I was in, like, high school. I don't fully remember when it was. I remember sitting there reading it at, like, Christmas <laughs> on the floor of my grandma's house. <laughs> wow, you have fun family. It was a Christmas book for me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But then I, like Anne said, I don't think I fully grasped a lot of the concepts or remembered a lot of it because while I was familiar with it and like I've seen the movie because that's such ingrained in pop culture, mm -hmm. um, I don't think I remembered a lot of it at the same time. A lot of the overtones. Yeah. yeah that when you go back and like that, you're, you're like, like oh. oh. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I was reading the book. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> okay. So the first question I have is Anne Rice writes about New Orleans as if it was its own character, I feel like, in the mm. book. What were your thoughts about that and how much of a presence the city itself had? The to. city was just, the city to me is the story, a lot mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And the characters are just built around it. Like I said earlier, the gothic, the the whole time period is just amazing. I just, but she does, all of her books are like mm -hmm. that. She, whatever city she's working in, it, it becomes like, like the character of the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I remember Louis said this at least once, I'm sure more than once. But he basically said that New Orleans, kind of, the way that the city was, is what allowed him to live the life of it, where he could, like, pick people out of the yes, crowd. Yes, And it was like, oh, it's just like the plague, or it's just like, oh, a devil, or a exactly. ghost, or a spirit. Yes. Because it was so full of people, and full of all different kinds of life. But it was mm -hmm. also such a, like, because he has, like, French roots, and so he's like, he feels very at home there. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and there's a lot of stuff about, like the streets and like noise and the architecture and the, mm -hmm. the places he goes to and the people mm -hmm. that he interacts with. Um, yeah. And the mood definitely shifts when they leave. Oh my that God. Place. Yes. Yes, it does. Big time. Mm -hmm. I mean, when they go out to Europe um, and it's like this little hamlet in the middle of nowhere and they see that like revenant vampire that's basically mm -hmm. just a corpse of that. I'm yes. like, the moodiness, it, it's not really there as much. No. Because yeah. New Orleans is just such, so well like crafted in the narrative. It's such an integral part of everything. And they're there for a very long time. Mm -hmm. In yes. the you don't realize how long yeah. they yeah. are. And then one day Claudia's like, ah, oh, 65 years. And Louis's like, what? <laughs> and how do you, you happen? You as the reader are like, what? What? <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a good place to put a vampire story. Okay. What did you think? I feel the same. I feel like New Orleans is such in pop culture, at least pop culture I consume. Right. It's so tied to like supernatural. Very yes. much. And yes. Yes. Traditional folk magic type roots mm -hmm. that I don't know if it's developed over time because of Anne Rice making it so iconic and making it so ingrained in pop culture that that's the reputation it has or if it's a combination of that and it's always been that way mm, okay. because I feel like a lot of like ghost shows or like haunted history on the oh, history oh, channel yes a lot always of yes had at least a section With center New on New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter what they were talking about. It always just yes. kind of went back to there. Yeah. Yes, you're right. And yeah. I think in pop culture, it's just kind of continued. Mm -hmm. There's the coven season of American Horror, Horror Story. Story. That's all New Orleans. Right, there's or, the originals from the Vampire Diaries. Yeah. You get the sense of that coming across, where... Mm -hmm. It feels tangible and real. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Yes. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Prin I agree. Princess and the Frog. 
Yeah. Well. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yes. 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 But that was a brighter New Orleans. Yeah. Yes. Was that a brighter New Orleans? Than... I, I probably it was a little bit dissonant. Yeah. yeah. But it still yeah. had that kind of a like little undertone, little hint of a dark underbelly because okay. you have the voodoo yes. stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the city has that very interesting history of like Haitian stuff, Creole stuff, and you've got the history of like the slave and the plantation. It's this giant like mixture. Mm-hmm. Of, a mixture. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's that. Yes. You're. Mm-hmm. I mean. New Orleans, even when you think about it, um, Nora Roberts has a book called um, Midnight Bayou that mm. takes place. It's a dual timeline. Mm. And then there's the, um, of course, the axe murderer of New Orleans yeah. from the 1920s. Yeah. That was also mm. at one time, that was in the coven, I believe, yeah. of the American Horror mm-hmm. Story. So you have so much. That's such a fascinating case. Oh, I had everyone play jazz music all the time. Um, yes. <laughs> and that's the only way they could like save themselves. themselves. And then they just really never found out. Yeah, who and they he did just it. killed grocery store. People. Yes, which is yeah, that's a whole other yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> Tag your spoilers, guys. <laughs> I have a question here. I feel like we need to talk about Louie and how moody he is. Oh god. <laughs> The most depressed vampire I have ever known. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah, it's... That place, like, it's bad. Yes. I'm just like, oh, my, oh my gosh, gosh. I know. <laughs> I know. I said this to... I said this earlier, but he acts like he's the only vampire who truly knows what it means to be a vampire. Yes, exactly. And it's like, dude, like, at some point, you are kind of the problem. Yes. <laughs> You're the outlier. Like, I understand, I guess... Because he's very informed by that melancholy. Mm-hmm. I mean, when his brother dies, he basically wants to die. He wants to die himself. He, he has no... No will to go and on. And that kind of, I feel like, informs like his whole experience as a vampire. Um, and it made me think of something else, but I'll wait till we get to that. Like the very end with Lestat, where Lestat's oh, yeah. like, his fears has changed him. Yeah, It's interesting, because like, Louis starts off so sad, and that yes. just like trickles no matter what he does. That just like yeah. it's like that feeling is immortal in him as well. Yes, mm-hmm. that's so yes, so yeah. true. Yeah, it's been a while because uh, I did not read the book. Reread the <laughs> book. I'm going off memory. <laughs> Why did he agree to be turned? Was there any yeah, definite so, question? Well, like, basically, what happened yeah. was at the very beginning, his brother um, was like such a very bright, yes, bright like brick future, like right. and then he started to have like religious delusions and stuff Which, like that. Yes, 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 and and he came to Louis and was like, Louis, you ha- basically you have to. I forget exactly what the circumstances was, yeah. but it's like you have to sign over everything to me so that I can sell yeah. it all and become a man that, of God. God that's he's okay. telling me to do this stuff, yeah. and Louis's like, no. And then the brother gets upset and then falls down the steps and dies mm-hmm. immediately after that conversation okay. happens. And so Louis has the sense of guilt. Yes. It like just pervasive. It's eating him alive because he feels as though he was the one who killed his brother, even though okay. he wasn't. Okay. Or that he makes says sense. he wasn't. Right. Yeah. Um, but he basically is just like so consumed by guilt that he doesn't want to live. Okay. And so Lestat shows up one day. And I think what happens is, is that Lestat kind of like drains him almost to the point of death. And then leaves, mm-hmm. and then Lestat comes back, and Louis is basically like, "You can t- have yeah, me because okay. I'd rather because I, I want to be dead, but like not understanding right. what it entails." Yeah. Okay. So then Lestat turns him into a vampire. Right. Okay. And Louis is like, "What have you done to me?" And Lestat's like, "I turned you into a, a vampire." vampire. Okay. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. I remember that the brother died. I forgot about the religious. Yeah, delusions yeah, yes because that was also in the television show that's how mm-hmm. the brother same thing 
started the delusions yeah. and that. Mm-hmm. And I, I just couldn't remember why the brother why the brother yeah. died. It okay. was just like a pure accident. It was. It was yeah. a total accident. But he had because of the conversation, he felt so guilty about it. He felt guilty. Just, uh, and didn't his himself. family sort of blame him? In a, in there were like whispers, whispers like yeah. the mother and that and the sister. Yeah. It was like weird. It was There were like whispers that he had been the one who pushed him down, down the, the steps. steps. But he didn't. It was I don't a total know accident. If, yeah. I don't know if the family blamed him necessarily, but like the servants and stuff were like... Yeah. It right. was weird. There was the weird suspicion on him. Okay, yeah. I just had a thought. So, in you probably would know more because I imagine you've read a ton more of her books than I do. Is the state that you're turned into a vampire in the state that you continue in forever? Yes. In terms of mental, yes. Except so, for Claudia, though. Except for Claudia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but Claudia always still had the ruthlessness, just lack of inhibition yeah. towards emotions mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so is it because he was turned because he was filled with self-loathing guilt that that's just how he continues <laughs> forever yes, and I just think, yes. everything forever that's yes. what i as soon as yeah. i said that i'm like that makes a lot of sense, sense. Like, that, <laughs> i didn't yes. even think about it before i said it like oh wait this is a good point yeah that is, that, that is that yeah. is exactly what it is however when your moment your turn is how yeah according yeah. to anne Rice Cannon. Yes. Yes. We have other cannons out there. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's her cannon. Yeah. Because <laughs> didn't Lestat kill the vampire who turned him? Or so, there's some something like yeah. that in there. Yeah. It's yeah. mentioned briefly. I don't Wait. know if he killed him. He tried to. I think. Or the vampire who turned Lestat left him. Yeah, he left. He left. Okay. He turned he him and he left him. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. Lestat is basically all about like revenge yes. against the world. Yes. Is what Louis keeps saying. Exactly. And he also like wants to spend all this money and stuff. Right. So he's just fancy. Yeah. He's he very fancy. fancy. He's very fancy. Yeah. So the, the next question I have, kind of going off of the religious illusions, Anne uses a lot of religion throughout the book. How did you feel with that? Because it kind of goes against the traditional vampire lore mm-hmm. of not being able to interact with religion mm-hmm. where in her books it's very much ingrained in who the vampires are yeah it's interesting because there are certain little things where louis can walk into a church no problem and he like prays yes. yeah yes. he has this weird vision and stuff and he can like go into a confessional no problem um in europe somebody like foists a crucifix upon him and he's fine like he doesn't care yeah. about it right yeah a lot of the typical, like, religious things are not present here. And there is even, I think he talks with Armand towards the end. And he's like, aren't we, like, products of the devil? And Armand is like, no, like, the devil doesn't exist and God doesn't exist either. And okay, Louis like, yeah. I can't, I can't do with it. No, I gotta have one of them has to exist. Yeah, because um, Louis' whole thing is that, like, he thinks a lot about God, yes. about the devil, mm-hmm. right? Um, and how he's like damned, but like there's that problem where Amon's like, "Oh, God doesn't exist." Yeah, so, like you're fine, bro. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're okay. Yeah, but he Louis really thinks of himself as supernatural. Yes. Even in the church, he has this vision of himself like going up to the tabernacle and taking out all the hosts and like smashing them yes, and stuff. Yes, he's like, "I'm the only one that's supernatural in this church. God's not here. The devil's not here." What do I do? And then he drains a priest of blood. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So it's an interesting, you know, way that she approaches it, it. Yes. In a more like philosophical way, rather than in like a 
these creatures are definitely not of right God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What you just said. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she is. Yeah, it's a, just a whole different mm-hmm. way she thinks about. Yeah. I literally just wrote something about Lestat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we talk about the way that they tried to kill him? Oh, that was, <laughs> that was grisly. That was gruesome. Yes. That was scary. Yes. That yes. was intense. Yes, it was. That was just crazy. Yes. Because they, for those who haven't read the book, they like, for, well, first what happens is that um, Claudia basically drugs two young boys with tons of absinthe and tons of laudanum yep. and yeah. basically tricks Lestat into drinking from them. And then she cuts his throat and, like, all the blood he's ever drank like, pours out of him onto the floor. And he, like, shrivels and his skin dries out and he becomes, like, a motionless husk. Yes. And his skeleton yeah. is showing through and it's it's horrible. It is. Yeah. Yes. And then they throw him in a bog and they run away. Or no, they don't. They throw him in a bog and then they but, prepare to go to Europe. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, they stay in New Orleans for a while. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yes. And then later... Um, Lestat comes back yes. along with the young musician kid that he turned into a vampire. Mm-hmm. I forgot about yeah. that yes. character. Yes, because I don't think he has a name. No, I don't believe he does. But Lestat was basically toying with him for like years, a very yes. long yeah. time. And like, you know, um, just like, I don't know, being weird like cat and mouse, like playing with your dinner type situation. Yes. But he eventually does turn him. And so the musician boy comes to the house and Lestat comes to the house. And they're fighting, and it's very intense. And then they set the entire place on fire. fire. Mm-hmm. And so Louis and Claudia escape, but Lestat and the vampire boy are burned in the fire. Yes. But Lestat survives that as well. Yeah. Hey, he's, he's just mortal. Yeah, yeah. He's just horrifically he scarred everything. He's just horrifically scarred forever. Yes. Yeah. And the vampire boy, the other one, I assume he perished in the fire. I mean, he because yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you, you never find out. You never, you never you know. hear from him again. Because isn't it with the, the two boys that she drugs, it's like their blood is almost dead, yeah. and they can't yeah. drink dead blood because that's when they so, yes. yeah. they shrivel up and die. Yeah. And the burning of the house actually brings us back to when Louis and Lestat left the plantation and burned it to the yeah, ground. Yeah, there's so much fire. Yes, there's a lot of fire. There's, there's the plantation they that they yes. burned. They burned down the house. Yep. yep. They burned down the theater of vampires. Yes. Uh-huh. Which I don't know how to say in French, so I'm not going to. No. Uh, no. Yeah. No. Um, it, yeah, like, it's all about the fire. A lot of yeah, fire. It's very interesting. It's like, that's like the last, it's not even the last resort because they do it like three <laughs> times. <laughs> yes. There's yeah. a lot of fire it's, going on. Yeah. And then at the very end, Louis like finds Lestat and Lestat is like shriveled up mm-hmm. and basically paralyzed from his own fears. Yes. And that, I thought that was really interesting. It's almost like, I think Louis said, it's almost like he's dying of old age, but it's yeah. just his fear that like is preventing him from doing Dude anything. Thing. Right. He's got like a pile of dead cats next to him. Yeah. Yes. He's got like one or two vampires that are hanging out with Not him. Yeah. yeah. But it's like miserable. Yes. He just is miserable. It's yeah. almost like, like he's a drug addict in a way too. Yeah. Because yeah. he's just so, and just such fearful and it's mm-hmm. like he's just killing animals and living with these people yeah. who are yeah you know are not even on his level yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he's a very interesting character yeah, yes yeah. he is and even though i didn't well i was full i didn't really care for lestat but i was fully aware that i was seeing him through louis yes, yes. and so i kind of like checked myself i'm like all right like lestat's an interesting character yes he is very mm-hmm. one yes much. and louis definitely has reasons for portraying lestat the way he does right i'm mm-hmm. sure and i know that the book 
the vampire Lestat. Is that from his perspective? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. So I know that that is going to be a little bit different. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and but, it starts off very much the like I have blonde hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have blonde hair and piercing blue eyes. And my skin is a mass of scars, and I and I am so special. I'm the specialist boy in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, that's basically yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how Louis is too. Yes, he's like yeah. I'm the specialist little vampire in, in the, the world. whole world. Yes, because I'm the only one who understands the sensuality of who living as are. a vampire. Yeah, and, yeah, I'm brooding and I don't like killing people, oh. and, but also I do sometimes. Sometimes, yes. yeah. yeah. All depends on my mood and what's yeah. going on around yeah. me. Yeah, if Claudia is hunting with me, I'll do it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hello, everyone. This episode went on a bit longer than we intended, so I'm going to split it into two separate episodes. This is where we'll end part one, and part two will be out next week. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or anything at all in the meantime, feel free to email me at aloney at albright.org. That is A-L-O-N-E-Y at albright.org. Or feel free to call the library at 570-348-3000. Thank you.